so much. Appreciate you. Well, God bless Wisconsin. Amen. In Texas, we like to say howdy, so I'm going to say howdy. 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 Yeah, I like, I like my uh, cowboy boots. Uh, I love America, and I was telling a pastor here today that Wisconsin is my second favorite state, so uh, it's truly an honor to be with you, and um, just love the presence of God that I see here, and, and I love the pastor's spirit and his son's spirit, and I know you're under great leadership, so thank you so much for having me. I'm here because I'm passionate about this country. Everything that I've seen um, has, has led me to believe that we truly are the greatest nation in the world. We are an exceptional nation, as Ronald Reagan referred to. And we've got to do everything that we can to fight to preserve her. Ronald Reagan referred to America as that shining city on a hill to the glory of God. And he's referencing the scripture that Jesus talked about. And when I look at that and I think about where we've come from, because there's a former president that said that America is no longer a Christian nation. And when I think about America, I think about our Judeo-Christian founding. 29 of the 56 framers of the Constitution were seminary graduates, deeply avowed Christian men. Okay, The reason why we came to America in the first place, there were Quakers and pilgrims, and there were so many different types of Christians, Puritans, that came here because they were escaping religious persecution. In England, they had switched back and forth from Catholicism to Protestantism, and they were fighting each other. King Henry started the Anglican Church, literally, because he wanted to get a divorce. So that's why they started the Anglican Church. And maybe there were some good things that came from that, but when we think about that, um, later on, uh, when, when um, Mary, Bloody Mary is what she was referred to, that's not actually a drink, but that's a person, and she was referred to that uh, as... As the fighter she was, she really tried to kill a lot of Protestants to take the country back to Catholicism. So they were fighting each other. And when we came to America, the idea was we wanted to have a country where there was no national religion. What that didn't mean was that Christians should not get involved in the political process. I'll touch on that in a second. But they wanted no national religion. And so when you think about our founding and, and those men who prayed, they prayed for our country because they wanted to start a country that had the right system of government in place. They took some of the best ideas from all across the world. In London, they got the idea of personal property rights in the Magna Carta. From Athens, uh, this city, they, they got the idea to reason and to think. And from Rome, they got the idea of law and jurisprudence. And the most important, I think, is the idea of morality coming from God that they got from Jerusalem. Russell Kirk says those four great cities are what greatly influenced America. When you go into the Capitol and you look up in the dome, there's all these great philosophers, and they're looking at one central figure. They're looking at Moses, who's holding the Ten Commandments. And if you look at our dollar bill, it, it's, it says, in God we trust. We pledge allegiance under God for a reason. Because we are we have that Judeo-Christian founding. And so as people of faith, you may wonder, well, what about the separation of church and state? Well, those are uh, legal precedents that were handed down from court systems, but there's nowhere in the Constitution that says that there's a separation of church and state. So... 
Thomas Jefferson, when he was writing a letter to the Danbury Baptist Church, he talked about a one-way wall separating the church from the state to keep the state out of the church because they didn't want their rights infringed upon. But what that, again, doesn't mean is that Christians shouldn't get involved in the political process because you absolutely should. And if you're a pastor or if you're a person of faith, maybe you're a lay leader, you might think, well, God just called me to preach the gospel. And that's a very noble thing. You should preach the gospel. And you may think, well, my, this is not our home. And we're only here passing through. This, this, we're, this kingdom, this is not our kingdom, but our, you know, this is not where we should titch our, or hitch our, our tent. We should be focused on the next life. We should be focused on things that are everlasting and eternal. And while all that may be true, you're, you're here to be salt and light. You're here to make a difference. And so I want to encourage you to, to live that way, to make a difference. And if you look throughout the scripture, there's plenty of, of basis for this. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Okay? And Daniel said this while he was in Babylon, and he moved up in leadership and in the ranks of politics, and he talked about how God sets up and tears down kings. God is sovereign over the affairs of the world, and he cares about the affairs of the world. And, and, and so you shouldn't run away from politics. You should be engaged and invested in it and care about it because it actually matters. And what we need right now more than ever is to do what Second Chronicles 7.14 talks about. It says, when we humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and heal our land. We need healing in this country. There's, there's two leaders that I want to reference. I want to talk about Paul Revere, because you may not know when he was going around saying, the British are coming, the British are coming, the British are coming. He was going to the home of a pastor by the name of Jonas Clark. And uh, Wentworth Cheswell was an African-American leader that was traveling with him, by the way. And the reason he was going to the home of a pastor is because pastors have vast networks. Pastor's son um, he's a great leader all across the state. If, if you want to get in touch with someone, back then you couldn't text them. You couldn't send them a Facebook message or an email. Um, you, you, have to, you have to get the influencers, and you have to figure out a way to get a message spread across the land, and you have to connect with the influencers. And so each of you, not just the pastor, but each of you are leaders too because you are connectors. You have a network. And so it's important that we carry a message about truth and we speak truth in, in this culture. We need to speak, speak uh, truth to the issues in this day and time. So I want to encourage you to recognize that you can make a difference. And, and that your sphere of influence, it really, really matters. Um, another pastor that I want to reference is John Peter Muhlenberg. John Peter Muhlenberg, uh, he was a part of what was called the Black Robed Regiment. And they were a group of pastors that the British greatly feared. And he was speaking to his congregation in a time where 50-50, 50% wanted a war and to leave the, the British Empire, and the other 50 wanted to stay. And their, their rights were being violated. They were being overtaxed. Um, the, the British were coming into their homes and taking things that didn't belong to them, unannounced, uninvited. And there was a lot of things going on. And 
and, and he said there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. And now is a time for war. And underneath his black robe, his, his clergy robe, was a colonel's uniform. And he had a gun in his arm. And him and 300 men in his congregation went to go fight the British. And by the way, there were some women that were, were disguised as men uh, in that day and age that also wanted to fight the British, and they did. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 300, but it's reminiscent of that. They went out arm in arm to fight the British with their muskets. And we need some fighters today. We need people that will fight for this country more than ever before because it's worth fighting for. And I'll tell you, what I mean by that is not that we have a civil war because we, I'm not saying that we should go out and fight Antifa a domestic terrorist organization like that. What I mean is we be what Ronald Reagan was referred to as happy warriors. We fight for our ideals. We fight for truth. We fight for the right principles of American exceptionalism, for example, um, that this country is truly a great nation, blessed by God. Fighting for those ideals with a smile on our face, not calling people names, not using violence, but being kind and speaking truth uh, being light in the darkness. That's what that means is to be a happy warrior. And so when you're talking about fighting for this country, um, make sure you have that tone because that's exactly what I mean. I don't want civil war. What I want is to reach people with truth. And, and I believe that with all my heart, we can be that type of people. Amen? So I want to encourage you to think about some of the issues that are going on in this time right now. We've seen in 2020 an unprecedented year. We've seen a, a global pandemic. It's taken countless lives, and there have been shutdowns caused by politicians that have brought an economic crisis. Uh, there's been racial tension in this country. There's been talk of defunding the police. There's talk of taking away our Second Amendment rights. There's always talk of taking away our religious liberties. Uh, churches are being shut down. Um, in the midst of people rioting and looting in the street, they're wanting to shut down the churches. There's a lot of things that are going on. There's things that are going on all across the world. China is flexing its muscle. And here we are here in America, still the greatest, most powerful nation in the world, uh, but we're, we're fighting each other, which isn't good. And so I, I'll say this, that socialism, by the way, is not the answer. And there's one side that's advocating for that, and it's never, ever worked, and we've got to fight against it. Amen? America will never, ever, ever be a socialist nation. And you know what? I, I come from um, a Scandinavian country. My mom was Norwegian. My dad's American. They were missionaries overseas. And the left, people like Bernie Sanders and AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they like to talk about Scandinavian countries like Norway as being the model for what socialism can do. And they point to that so that they can bring socialism here to America. But many people don't actually know that that is actually a capitalist country, and as are all of these Scandinavian countries. A better example of socialism is to look at Venezuela. Look at Venezuela. They were the crown jewel of South America, oil-rich country, and then when Hugo Chavez took over, he destroyed that nation. 
and they took from those that have and gave it to those that have not, and, and pretty soon those that have couldn't produce anymore. Now their country is ridden with civil war. People are eating out of trash cans and eating their pets, and there still is not the legitimate president in office. That's what their country is going through. And if you think for one second that that cannot happen here, think again. We've got, we've got a fight on our hands more than ever before. And unfortunately, there are liberal teachers, preachers out there that are saying that Jesus was a socialist. Ridiculous. If you look at the scripture, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, not giving out of compulsion, not giving out of compulsion, not giving out of compulsion, but each should decide in his or her own heart what they should give. That's the idea right there, is that you should give out of your own benevolence. Because the Bible does talk about giving to the poor. It's, it's one of the most talked about scriptures all throughout the Bible, the idea of giving to the poor. But vehicles like the Salvation Army and the church have always been what's been utilized to do that here in America. And the church should give. But the government should not take from what you have Take credit for it and redistribute it and, so that they can buy power. That's wrong. Unfortunately, 61% of Gen Z and 51% of millennials like me have a favorable opinion of socialism. And so they listen to their peers. That's what research shows. They don't always listen to their parents. They're highly affected by their school teachers, their, their college professors. And so I would say this, by the way, if, if you're thinking about sending your kid off to school to these, in liberal, these liberal indoctrination camps, think again. And if you're an alumni, think twice before you give money to these secular institutions because they're doing no good. I mean, this, some of the stuff that they're teaching these kids is absolutely terrible. It's treacherous, and what they teach them is anti-American, anti-God, anti-family. There's nothing good that comes from some of these colleges and universities. And by the way, I teach at a college, so I can say that uh, assuredly, and I think there's a lot of good things at my specific college, but I've gone off to college, and I've seen a lot of terrible things. I know from experience, because I was once swayed for a certain time, uh, and I wavered in what I believed. And that's happening all throughout the country, is that these liberal professors are indoctrinating the youth with, with ideas that are not good. And so uh, think again before you give your money or your children away to these colleges. Amen? Um, this idea of socialism is something that we have to fight because it's the economic vehicle of communism. And every country, if you look at it, every country where it's been tried, it's failed. And it's only a matter of time before they start to take away some of your other liberties. If you look at communist countries, like Stalin, the, the dictator there in the Soviet Union, Castro in communist Cuba. And by the way, one of my mentors is Rafael Cruz, Ted Cruz's father. And he said when he escaped communist Cuba, when I escaped communist Cuba, he says, I had a place to go to. But if we lose our freedom here, where will we go? Where will we go? There's no other place to go. America is the greatest hope for Western civilization. It's a, there's a reason why. The rafts from, from communist Cuba only go one way. Not, there's no rafts going to there. They're going to Florida, right? And if you, look, if you look at Germany, whenever the time of the Soviet Union was in power, there was, there was a wall there in eastern and western Germany. 
People were only trying to get on one side of the wall. They were trying to get to the western side, the free market side, the freedom side. They weren't trying to go to East Germany. There's a reason for that. So when you think about America and this idea of freedom, when you think about the Statue of Liberty and people pursue that opportunity of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, there's a reason why people want to escape the countries they're coming from and they want to come here. Um, but, but this idea that, that of taking away the guns, back to that point, uh, I talked about um, Stalin and the Soviet Union, I talked about Castro and, and communist Cuba, and then I, I would also lead you with Mao and China, communist China. The first thing that they did was take away the guns. And then once they were able to do that, then they turned them on the people. So I want to encourage you to become members of the NRA or Gun Owners of America and stay vigilant in pr protecting your Second Amendment rights. Be involved in the state legislature. Uh, speak to your legislators about the importance of, of standing up for gun rights. Don't give them an inch. Don't give up anything. Protect your Second Amendment rights because that's in the Bill of Rights for a reason. And the same group that wants to take away your guns, they want to defund the police. And how did all this happen? How did we get here? Well, obviously, what, with what happened with George Floyd, that was terrible. That was wrong. I think everyone would agree that that should never have happened. But unfortunately, if you, the, the sins of just a couple, uh, now they're, they're indicting all of law enforcement and police officers. When 99.9% .9 of these police officers are great people, exceptional people, leaders that are doing everything that they can to keep us safe. I, I wore a thin blue line mask, and I don't know if I have it in my pocket or not. I probably have it somewhere. Oh, here it is. I, I like to wear this mask because it reminds me this thin blue line. This thin blue line represents uh, the protection of our society descending into chaos. And when I think about that idea, our law enforcement they work so hard for us, and they're just trying to get home to their children. If you think about it, I talked to some great, great uh, men and women who have served overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, 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 I, and I thank God for our military men and women. Amen. They are heroes just like our law enforcement are heroes. And, and one thing they said to me is, is when they came home, they were done. And many of them deal with PTSD, of course, and that's terrible. There are 22 suicides a day, which is terrible. Uh, but when they come home, they're home. They're off, if you will. But they said the, the, the job of some of these police officers, they're always on. Their jobs are always stressful. And when they pull someone over, they never know what that person is going to do. Imagine living with that kind of stress. These people are just trying to get home to their children their families, their wives, or their husbands, because they love this country enough to fight to protect her. And unfortunately, they're being indicted for the sins of a few. If you look at what doctors and surgeons do, for example, there are 200,000 cases filed of malpractice per year. And yet, no one is saying that doctors and surgeons are murderers, are they? That would be a, a ridiculous, absurd assertion and yet, that's what they're doing to our law enforcement. Not good. Not good. And it's totally political. You see, Black Lives Matter, Inc., which is an openly Marxist organization, 
They have made no qualms about that. And of course, the expression Black Lives Matter is true. That's like saying water is wet. Of course, Black Lives Matter. We don't have anything to disagree with there, but that organization, they're openly Marxist, they're anti-family, they're anti-God, um, they, they hate men for some reason, they, they just want to completely dismantle and disrupt and destroy America. And I'll tell you, defunding is the first step to disarming and eventually dismantling. And if you look at what happened in Nazi Germany, what, the, what did they do? They took away the police and then the brown shirts came in. See, they want to attack people and there'd be no consequences for it. That's what they want. And what they're doing in the cities, don't think for a second that they can't start doing that in the suburbs. They've already started doing it. And so we've got to push back. We've got to back the blue, defend the police. We've got to fight back. And we've got to applaud our law enforcement. And we've got to thank them. And whenever you see them, say thank you. Maybe buy them lunch or buy them a cup of coffee. Let them know you're cheering for them. Because there's going to come a time where they're not going to want to do that job anymore. The older people are retiring early. The younger people are saying, hey, heck, I can get out of this right now. So they don't want to do it anymore. And you've got to show them that, that you're thankful for them. Because they have a truly thankless job. And we've got to do everything that we can to preserve this country because they'll do everything that they can to destroy it. So whether it be taking away our Second Amendment rights or taking away uh, the, the, the police, what does that leave us with? If you look at the couple there in St. Louis that were, they were defending their home. That was actually a Democrat couple, by the way. They were just defending their home because Black Lives Matter, Inc. and Antifa broke in Destro they destroyed uh, the, the, the door, and they came in private property. And there they were saying that they were going to kill the person's dog, the wife's dog. They were going to kill her. They were going to burn down the house. And so they got their guns, guns to defend themselves. And, 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 and now these people are being indicted for defending themselves because George Soros and people like him fund liberal DAs in these big cities and liberal judges um, and it's ridiculous. I think the governor in that state who's a conservative is going to throw out the case, but that's where our society is headed. You won't even be able to defend yourself. I don't want to live in a country like that. Do you? So we've got to fight to protect our, our, our rights. And I'll tell you what, um, with what's happened in, in, some of these, in some of these states that are controlled by leftist governors, it's not been good, and it's been worse in many places. And I don't think you have it that great in Wisconsin, but it's much worse in California. Yeah. I'll tell you what, um, they're, they're saying that you can't sing in church because you might spread coronavirus, right? You have a 99% recovery rate, um, and, and people, by the way, are, are, are cheering the Lakers and the Dodgers championships on the streets clustered together, and the police do nothing. The, the leftist governor there says nothing, uh, and yet a couple hundred people can't meet in a church to praise God. That's ridiculous. I don't want to live in a country like that. If anyone wants to shut down your church, you say no, and you fight back, you push back, you keep meeting. Don't let them do that. We've got to do everything that we can to stand up for our religious freedom.
and that's incredibly egregious and wrong, and we should fight them, we should push back, because the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. You should do everything that you can to push back against that. So push back, fight back. This is our country, and we should take it back. Don't let them do anything. And you know what? They should fear us because we the people, we are the people that the Constitution talks about. They should fear we the people. And when tyrannical government gets out of line, they should fear the consequences. They should fear us in every single way. And so I want to encourage you to stand up for your rights. I want to encourage you to do what's right. And I want to encourage you to elect the right people. Because I'll tell you what, um, you may not always have the perfect choice. You're probably never going to have the perfect choice. And if you want the perfect candidate, you better run yourself. Because Ronald Reagan said your 80% friend is not your 20% enemy. So you're not going to agree with someone all the time, but pick the person that best represents Judeo-Christian values. And if God can use King Cyrus in the Bible, if he can use Nebuchadnezzar for his purposes, then he can use President Trump. He can use anyone. He can use, uh, he can use even a Democrat if he wanted to. But I, I'll tell you what, I want to say this about President Trump. He's been the most pro-life president we've ever seen in, of my generation. He's the first president that, that, that participated in walking and speaking at the March for Life rally. Neither of the Bushes ever did that. I'll tell you this, that he's, he stood for religious freedom. The Johnson Amendment has been used to keep churches out of the political process because they fear retribution of losing their 501c3 nonprofit status. But President Trump signed an executive order taking the teeth out of that. And so we need to thank him for that, for that reason. I've never seen a president keep his promises like President Trump. He's kept his promises, and when Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and both Bushes promised to move the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, President Trump actually did it. I'm grateful for President Trump. God says that those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel will be cursed. We need to be grateful for a president that's blessing Israel. And you know what? We should also pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, and what's happening under President Trump's watch? Well, there have been peace treaties with, with the United Arab Emirates, with Sudan, with Bahrain. President Trump is, is bringing peace to the Middle East. And even if that is only temporary, that is a good thing. And you know what? I don't believe that God's done with him or with America. He's just getting started. He's got more things that he wants to do. He's fought to, pre to preserve our Second Amendment rights. He's fought to, to fight uh, for the right to life. He's fought for our country economically, and he's made us economically strong again. This whole concept of make America great again is very controversial. But to me, what that means is to be the military and economic power of the world again. Because so long, both parties were just on managed decline. Who could manage 
not as bad of a decline of this country. But under his watch, countries have been moving back from overseas and, and building companies here. Uh, companies have been moving back from overseas and building industry here. Jobs have come back. Manufacturing jobs to Wisconsin, this great state, and places like Pennsylvania. And so that's important because a strong America is good for the world. He's, he's beefed up our military and stood strong. And, and when the other side wanted to tear it down, he's beefed us up so that we will have peace in the world. And how do we have peace? Peace through strength. And the reason why we should want an economically strong America, I'll tell you why. Because God has used our country to be a blessing all throughout the world. You know, 70% of the missions work throughout the world is funded by the United States of America. Don't tell me God hasn't used us for a purpose. And no, our country is not perfect. I don't want to lead you to believe that I think that. Just like people aren't perfect. But I'll tell you this. If we live up to the ideals in the Constitution, that all men are created equal, and we have the opportunity for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we will continue to be a great nation. We've got to live up to our ideals and be the great country that we truly are. And God will continue to use us. So I want to leave you with this. Who should we elect? Just as Jethro told Moses, elect abled men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. You want to think about it in those terms. Able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. And when I say men, I mean that in a gender-neutral way, women too, because women can just as well run for office. And so I want to also pose this idea that when Plato talked about that if you do not get involved in the political process, you leave yourself to be governed by your inferiors. You should consider running for office. I was just with a pastor down in Louisiana. I got to spend some time with Pastor Mangan, uh, Pastor Mark Foster. Last Wednesday, I spoke at Pastor Mark Foster's church there in Monroe. And um, I also got to meet with a pastor and a group of his leaders in the area from Jennings, and he was a city council member. He was a United Pentecostal pastor and a city council member. I think we need more of that. And I think if you're not the pastor that wants to run for office, you should encourage people in your congregation to. Run for school board. Run for city council. Run for state representative. Run for Congress. Get involved in the political process. And maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you don't want to run for office. But support people that do. Financially contribute. Block walk, phone bank. Help people that do. Fight for this country. And don't do it, you know, fighting arm in arm like I was talking about in a civil war. I mean, fight them in the ballot box. Fight them in policy. Fight them persuading them on your ideas. Winning people over that don't know how they feel. And honestly, that's where a lot of young people are. They don't know how they feel right now. They're just going based on what social media, which is all, the tech companies are all run by liberals. Or they're running, they're, they're being influenced by the mainstream media. They're being influenced by Hollywood and liberal celebrities, they're being influenced by all types of people um, that, do not, that do not have the best interest of this country, and they do not have a Judeo-Christian worldview. And so I want to encourage you um, to ask your pastor and, and, your, and your pastors in your community to, ch to preach um, sermons on biblical truth, on the idea of what a man is and what a woman is. That's needed now more than ever before.
on the importance of being pro-life and, 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 and fighting against this genocide, this Imago Day issue that is abortion. There have been 63 million babies slaughtered since 1963. And, and, and that's egregious. That grieves the heart of God. And we should work to end this genocide that is abortion. And we should do everything that we possibly can to fight for our religious freedom and give them nothing. And, and, and we need to encourage pastors to stand strong and, and not cower in the face of a tyrannical government. We need to encourage our pastors and, and make sure that they're taken care of financially so that they wouldn't be worrying about, about anything financially and, and back our pastors and encourage them to stand strong. And, and preach sermons on standing strong. <laughs> um, we need pastors to talk about American exceptionalism. And you know what? Let me preface this and say that our kingdom, yes, is not of this world. And we're more aligned with Christians, our brothers and sisters around the world. That is our, it, that's our first loyalty, is, is to our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, first of all. That said, our second loyalty, aside from our family, should be to our country. And there's nothing wrong with being a patriot. There's nothing wrong with being a nationalist. And being a nationalist is not synonymous with being a white nationalist, as the media would have you to believe. Being a nationalist simply means that you love America, and you believe in America, and you believe that America is inherently good. And I believe that America is great because it's good. It's done so much good around the world. And we need sermons that talk about that very idea. We need to do everything that we can to fight for this country. Because if not us, then who? America is an idea. And our Constitution has lasted 244 years. And I'm not ready to give up on that idea. Are you? So I want to leave you with one final bit. Um, we've got to pray for this country. We've got to do everything that we can to fight for. And we cannot continue to be the divided states of America. We've got to be truly the United States of America. United we stand, divided we fall. So we need to pray for our nation. Pray for people that are different than us. Pray that we would come together, that we would love one another, that we would serve one another. And if there's anything good that came from that terrible day on 9-11, I remember exactly where I was in middle school. My parents took me out of school. It's that people flooded the churches, and they were hungry for the gospel because they were afraid. And I think that's where a lot of people are now. There, there are people that are hungry for truth. They're hungry for the gospel. And the other good thing I saw was that Republicans and Democrats prayed together on the Capitol. So what I want to ask you to do with me right now is to pray for this country, pray for our leaders, and let's pray that God would have his way in this election. And, and, and we are going to pray for Republicans and Democrats. We're going to pray for America. So if you want to pray with me, you're welcome to, but I'm going to pray um, now. Jesus, thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for our opportunity to, to live on mission and on purpose for you here on this earth. I ask that you would bless America, 
that you would continue to shine your face upon her, that you would use America, that you wouldn't be done with us, but that you'd bless our nation and use us mightily all throughout the world. Thank you for our Constitution and our founding that was literally founded on the Word of God. I pray that we would turn back to you as a nation, that we would humble ourselves and seek your face. God, that you would heal our land from this coronavirus that has plagued us. I pray for a vaccine that would eradicate this coronavirus. I pray that those that have been inflicted by it would be healed. I pray for our president. I pray that you give him wisdom, that you put the right advisors around him, that you help him to navigate through this pandemic and the economic crisis it's caused. There's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the market. A lot of people are concerned about their livelihoods. They've been out of the job. They've lost their businesses, their retirement. They're, they're scared. And so, God, I, I just pray that you would take care of every need here at this church. Everyone here, Lord, bless them. I pray that you would just bring us together amid this racial tension that we're seeing in this country. I, I pray against racism and that you would purge that from both sides, from the right and from the left, and that we could come together and love one another. I pray that you would bless this church specifically, and that you would bless them to continue to be a light all throughout this community um, and this state, Lord. I pray for the pastor. I, I pray that you would just continue to bless Pastor David, uh, his son, his family. Just shine your face upon him. Use him mightily for your good, for your glory. We thank you for America. God bless America. We pray that you would bless this state, Wisconsin. And I pray that you would bless everyone here. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Yeah, give them a good hand clap.